Hello, and welcome back to Astronomy News with the Cosmic Companion. This week, we're joined by Dr. Magic Bialkis, astronomer at Harvard University, speaking to us from Gdansk, Poland. We'll discuss his work revealing glittering around the supermassive black hole at the center of the M87 galaxy. But first, we look at a new study identifying 24 exoplanets that appear to be even friendlier to life than Earth. We also see how super flares, powerful eruptions from stars, behave and learn how they might affect alien life on other worlds. Then we take a look at OSIRIS-REx. NASA's first attempt to collect material from an asteroid as the revolutionary spacecraft readies to touch the surface of the asteroid Bennu. Astronomers from Washington State University recently examined data from 4,500 known exoplanets searching for worlds where life is likely to have developed. The researchers found 24 worlds which could be even more habitable than Earth. Such worlds would likely be larger, warmer, and wetter than our home planet, orbiting stars with exceptionally long lifespans. These conditions could drive natural selection increasing chances for the development of life on alien worlds, researchers speculate. An examination of 27 super flares erupting from stars showed these events release significantly more ultraviolet energy than expected. Such eruptions releasing vast, powerful Discharges of radiation could wipe out life on alien worlds. However, these eruptions were found to last just around 15 minutes, reducing the amount of time that life forms would be exposed to these potentially catastrophic events. This could greatly increase chances of life developing on worlds which orbit close to small, coal stars, researchers speculate. NASA is preparing for their first sample collection mission to an asteroid as OSIRIS-REx readies for a planned touchdown on the surface of Venus. The asteroid is known to be composed partly of carbon-rich organic materials. The first attempt to collect material from Bennu will be made on October 20th, with the sample scheduled to arrive at Earth in September of 2023. This mission could potentially help explain how the building blocks of life first formed on Earth. Looking deep into the universe, we see backwards in time. And the oldest light in the universe holds secrets to how everything around us will, one day, end. Meanwhile, stars, planets, and galaxies dance in an intricate ballet, occasionally giving birth to life. We are a fledgling species, just beginning to visit other worlds. 
We are a way for the universe to understand itself. The Cosmic Companion strives to bring the universe down to Earth. And we depend on your help to make it happen. For information on subscriptions and ways to donate to this program, please visit thecosmiccompanion.net. Thank you. This week on Astronomy News with the Cosmic Companion, we talk to Dr. Magic Bielgis, astronomer at Harvard University, who is joining us from Gdansk, Poland. We'll be discussing his work revealing glittering around the supermassive black hole at the center of the M87 galaxy. This week on Astronomy News with the Cosmic Companion, we are happy to be joined by Dr. Maciek uh, Bel- Belgius. Uh, he is, an, thank you, he's an astronomer at uh, Harvard University and works on the Earth Horizon Telescope. He recently uh, made an interesting discovery about a nearby supermassive black hole. Welcome to the show, Maciek. Hello, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. So uh, just simple question. You just tell us a little bit about what is M87, um, what it is you found there, and about the and about its supermassive black hole. All right. So M87 is a giant uh, galaxy uh, in a Virgo cluster. It's the very center of the of mass of the Virgo cluster. It's really huge, and for a huge galaxy, it harbors uh, a huge uh, black hole in its uh, center. So this is what we have, what we named M87 star. This is the center of the M87 galaxy. And that's the black hole that uh, many people hopefully are familiar with because that's the one that uh, we made uh, the first image of uh, last year. So last year with this Event Horizon Telescope, uh, the assembled um, telescope of the effective uh, diameter uh, equal about to the diameter of the Earth, we finally got the resolving power to see uh, the structure of the, of the accretion flow, to really see this black hole on the space uh, scale, spatial scale that can resolve uh, the event horizon uh, scale. And we saw this bright ring uh, and the current results, the results that came out uh, just on 23rd of September this year, are about uh, uh, monitoring this uh, object for many years starting in 2009 all the way to uh, 2017, and actually seeing that there is a little bit of interesting behavior in the object. Hmm. And what is this interesting behavior that you're seeing? So there are a couple of aspects of that. One uh, interesting thing is that actually we uh, did confirm um, the morphology of this uh, source, meaning we uh, see that the old data uh, they are consistent with this uh, ring-like appearance. So that's, that's a big thing because if we saw that there was definitely no ring in the past, or if we saw that there was a ring, but it was half times larger, twice as uh, small, or whatever, that would immediately tell us that, well, everything we, f- we thought that it is must be wrong. The, our interpretation with the, the supermassive black hole must be wrong. So fortunately, that turned out not to be the case. We confirmed this uh, consistency. But on the other hand, when we tried to fit where is the location of this bright side of the crescent, 
we noticed that it's changing in time. Uh, it's changing in time uh, quite a lot, uh, probably more than some of uh, many of the people would intuitively expect, but it turns out it's consistent with the uh, expectations from the numerical simulations. Uh, and what is wobbling, this is not a black hole moving, this is the gas uh, circling around it, falling into the event horizon. Uh, this flow is uh, turbulent, it's, uh, it, it is violently chaotic, and this chaos in the flow uh, makes this appearance, that this bright part to shift around. You're listening to Astronomy News with the Cosmic Companion, a podcast focused on making science accessible to everyone, including weekly interviews with groundbreaking scientists. We depend on support from fans like you, helping us bring science news and education directly to listeners around the globe. Visit us at thecosmiccompanion.net forward slash support for information on subscriptions and other ways you can help support this program. Subscriptions start at just 99 cents a month. Show your love of astronomy and space exploration by visiting thecosmiccompanion.net forward slash support today. Hmm. So it's actually the gas itself that's giving off is it actually giving off more or less energy because of because of interactions, or is it um, just appearing that way because of its movement? So what, what, what's going on? The the motion uh, itself is is one thing. The fact that it's circling around the uh, black hole and finally falling into the event horizon that is one thing. But the other thing is this uh, overwhelming tu turbulence uh, in the behavior of this flow. So if it was a nice steady state flow, there was no turbulence, no chaos in its uh, behavior, uh, we would see a constant image. Uh, we don't as we confirmed now, so we see that there is something going on. And this thing uh, is really uh, the change, subtle changes, or maybe not even so subtle changes, in local density, in local temperature, in local values of the magnetic field, and all together they make this uh, pattern of uh, chaotic behavior. Because the more of density we have, uh, the, the larger the temperature, the, um, the more magnetic field, the more radiation we will see. The radiation is coming from so-called synchrotron radiation process. So these are electrons in the electric field accelerating in the electric field. So the more electrons we have, the stronger the magnetic field, the more radiation we will see. So it could be that in one point in time, on one side of this flow, there is more matter, more magnetic field because of how turbulent it is, but in the, at the other moment. And this is all this wobbling happening. It's fascinating. So why is it that we are looking at, um, at the black hole in, within uh, M87 when we know that every galaxy has a supermassive black hole, including the Milky Way? So, so it turns out that, uh, well, there are two uh, important numbers to consider. One is the size of this black hole and the other is the distance uh, towards it. And of course, how, how large it is, uh, as we see it in the sky, it, it depends on the ratio of these two um, factors. Uh, so it needs to be large, but it's all, it also needs to be close, um, as close as possible. And it turns out that this ratio is very good for M87 because uh, it is huge. It is uh, 6.5 billion uh, solar masses, and it's not too far away. 
meaning it's 55 million light years away, which sounds like a lot, it is a lot, but in the cosmological scale of the universe, it's still kind of our neighborhood. So on the other hand, uh, the supermassive black hole in the center of our galaxy, this one is lighter uh, by 1500, by a factor of 1500. So that means it's smaller uh, in terms of size in kilometers, the event horizon is uh, smaller by 1500 uh, factor. It is fortunately also about 1500 times uh, closer to us. Um, so the ratio remains very similar. So this is the other object that we can hope to ever resolve, uh, Sagittarius A star, the center of our galaxy. There are only two objects at the moment that have this ratio uh, so good that it's within our resolution um, capabilities. Right. And something similar happening, um, of course, with Betelgeuse, you know, where the only two stars that we can actually see the surface of are our sun, because it's smaller, but much, much closer, and Betelgeuse, which is much further away, but much larger. That's exactly the same, same thing. Right. So, talking about the similarities between uh, Sag, Sag A star at the center of the Milky Way and uh, the supermassive black hole in M87, uh, we, we'd also then expect a similar twinkling to be going on within our own local black hole? We absolutely do, uh, but actually it's uh, even more than that. Because of this um, uh, ratio in masses, because of the fact that the Sagittarius A star is 1500 times uh, smaller, it means that also characteristic time scale is 1500 uh, times uh, mm. smaller. So what it means, uh, characteristic time for M87 is about nine hours. I'm just giving some characteristic yeah. um, number associated to the source. So the same associated number would be about 20 seconds for Sagittarius A star. So let's say that this, uh, this characteristic number is really for how long the source uh, doesn't change at all. Uh, this is actually uh, related to the light crossing time, how, how quickly can information move from one side of the source to the, uh, to, to the other side. Uh, so uh, nothing can change faster than that. That is our argument, because information can, cannot propagate faster uh, than light. So what it means is that during one night, M87 should pretty much stand still because of this characteristic time scale. And on the other hand, Sagittarius A star, our galactic center, it's uh, vary, it should be varying like crazy because this characteristic, characteristic time scale is 1500 times uh, less. It poses a lot of problems for the method that we are using to, uh, uh, to create those images. Uh, it's like you are trying to take uh, a photograph, but you had to uh, wait for a couple of hours for, uh, to get enough information to create this photograph. But the person you are trying to fo uh, uh, photograph they do not really want to stand still for nine hours. So M87 doesn't mind. M87 says, yes, I will stand still for nine hours, don't worry. But M87 says, well, 20 seconds, it's as long as I can <laughs> in, in one place. And that, that is the main, uh, main difference. Everything around uh, Sagittarius A star is happening 1500 times uh, faster than around M87. This is why uh, we have the data from Sag A star we recorded uh, them at the same campaign in 2017 as we did uh, M87 data, 
but it takes so much more time to analyze them and to build up this understanding to be able to, to share it with, with the world. Main reason is exactly this uh, extreme time variability of the, of, of the Sagittarius A star. Hmm. And can you tell us a little bit about the Earth Horizon Telescope and uh, what it is that makes that network so special? So uh, the name is Event Horizon uh, Telescope. Oh, okay. uh, and, and this is the, uh, um, well, uh, international, intercontinental network of, of, of radio uh, telescopes that work together in a method that is called very long baseline interferometry. So when you have a regular um, radio telescope, it's basically a, a dish, like a kind of satellite dish you would use to, to, to receive a TV signal from the, uh, from the satellite. That is pretty much the same thing, only the dish is larger for, 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 for a radio telescope, and, and it must be uh, made uh, more carefully with uh, the care about the quality of the, of the surface. But it means that the uh, sensitivity is limited by the size of the dish. Um, so if you, uh, this is sensitivity and also resolution, they are both limited by the size uh, of the dish. So if you want to have extreme resolution, this is not something that you can achieve with a single dish. What we need to image uh, an object like M87, we actually need uh, a dish of the size of the Earth. And this is, of course, uh, technically extremely challenging. You will not build a dish the size of the Earth. But You're not going to get funding for that. <laughs> I mean, we didn't try. But <laughs> I, 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 would, I would expect to fail uh, if, if we did. Um, so the next best thing you can do, you can uh, find a bunch of telescopes in remote places far away one from the other. And uh, join them, uh, virtually uh, merge them into an array uh, in a way that uh, your dish is really the, your planet. But on this dish, you mostly uh, have an empty surface. You don't have an active surface everywhere in the dish. You have just a little bit, a little uh, bit of, uh, of sensitive um, um, uh, part of the dish here and there, and this here and there are our uh, radio telescopes. So we have a little bit of active surface of the dish in, uh, on the South Pole, in Greenland, uh, in um, uh, Mexico, in Hawaii, Arizona as well. Uh, other than that, it's an empty dish. But it turns out that this is sufficient to, to get enough information to image uh, an object provided that you get uh, an additional boost. An additional boost is, um, is something that is called an aperture synthesis. It's just the fact that the Earth is rotating. And as the Earth is rotating during the observation, this geometry between one dish, another dish, and the distant object uh, in the sky is changing. So because the geometry is changing, you get to uh, get more independent measurements. So really it's a bunch of stations in different locations around the Earth, plus the fact that the Earth is rotating. Also notice that it's important that the Earth is round and rotating. So this is also uh, on the side, we are kind of confirming this very controversial recently um, uh, opinion that the Earth may be round and may be rotating. <laughs> and so as we go... <laughs> shouldn't be controversial. That, it should not be controversial now. Hi there, this is James Maynard from the Cosmic Companion. 
Thank you so much for joining us. Now, our podcast is put out through Anchor FM. If you've ever wanted to have to your own podcast, they're a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, Anchor gives you a chance to uh, put get your podcast together with all the tools in one place. And uh, you can do it from your phone or computer. And they're going to help you get distributed out to all the major platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you name it. And so best of all, Anchor's all free. How cool, huh? Anyway, if you want to check it out, go download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Clear skies. Um, and can you tell us about some of the future studies and um, upcoming instruments that may be able to be used to help search yeah. for black holes? Yeah. Uh, so there are very nice uh, upgrades planned for the Event Horizon Telescope. So the data that, um, that we have uh, shared with the um, community so far, uh, it's everything up to 2017. We actually did uh, observations in 2018 and in these observations, uh, one station joined that was not present in 2017, and that's the Greenland Telescope. So because M87 is seen in northern sky, Greenland Telescopes actually does amazing things for the M87. So in 2018, we have obtained a much more rich data set of M87 that we are currently still working on to, to process that data set. Well, then unfortunately for two years, we didn't observe in 2019, and in 2020, in 2020, for the reason that, well, nobody was able to do anything in, in, in April in, and in March. Uh, but we hope that next year we will be able to uh, get back to uh, these routine observations uh, every year. Uh, and there are two stations that are joining in 2021. And those stations are Noima in France and Kitpik um, in, uh, in Arizona. Yep. Uh, so, uh, well, because the number of detections that we are getting, it depends on the number of pairs of telescopes. It's not one telescope that makes the measurement. It, this, this sort of measurement is uh, made between pairs of telescope, uh, telescopes. So it means that uh, if you add two stations, uh, you really get much more de uh, independent detections because you get detection from this new telescope to everyone that is already there. So. Every, every single addition is a huge uh, benefit for us. So we hope that uh, 2021 will actually be absolutely amazing and better than anything that we had um, so far. That's fabulous. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Masyuk. Thank you. That was a pleasure. Wonderful to have you here. And that was Dr. Masyuk Bielgis of Harvard University. Next week on Astronomy News with the Cosmic Companion, we'll talk to Dr. Roberto Chile of the National Institute for Astronomy and Astrophysics, joining us from Italy. We'll talk about his recent discovery of six galaxies huddled around a supermassive black hole in the early universe. Make sure to tune in for this interview starting October 20th. 
Join us each week on Astronomy News with the Cosmic Companion as we bring space and astronomy news together with groundbreaking scientists directly to listeners and viewers around the globe. We depend on support from viewers like you. To help support this program with a one-time donation or a paid subscription starting at just 99 cents a month, please visit thecosmiccompanion.net forward slash support. If you live in the United States and have not already done so, please remember to vote this election. And please stay safe, stay healthy, and keep your wonder alive. If you enjoyed this episode of Astronomy News with the Cosmic Companion, please download and share the episode on YouTube, Facebook video, or on any major podcast provider. For more details on space and astronomy news, please visit thecosmiccompanion.com or thecosmiccompanion.net.